You're listening to Travel Tales with Virgil. Joan, the question I ask everybody is if you take four deep breaths and think of your happy place anywhere in the world, where would that be and why? Okay, it's going to be a bit of a weird answer because um, of the experience. And, you know, growing up in Boston and kind of being in a suburb of the city, uh, city and then the suburb of the city in Braintree, uh, we'd get to come home to Ireland every summer. That was kind of the, the deal in our family because my dad worked for the airlines. So coming to Ireland was a big thing. And then in particular, um, my favorite place, um, behind the Pinnacle Well down in Ballyvaughan, there's a little coast road in Ballyvaughan. I think it's, I, now I know the number of it, the R477. There's a well there called the Pinnacle Well. And if you go behind the well, just keep climbing all the way up to the very, very top. Um, you can, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good little high. And you sit on the rocks there and you're overlooking everything. It's genuinely the most spiritual feeling I've had in my life where you feel like you're almost there. You feel like you're, you're, you can talk to people who've gone beyond and people who you miss. And it's just, it's an amazing experience and I'll never forget it. And it's, it's my, it's my favorite, favorite place in the world. Just at the top of the burn really overlooking, um, Galway Bay and, and the Atlantic Ocean and just you feel there man you really do. You're very welcome to a bonus episode and you just heard the voice of Sean O'Neill who is on the US election special telling us about his happy place. The one question I asked every guest was to name their happy place and I have a collection of them for you now. I challenge you to try and not smile listening to every beautiful answer to their happy place question. And that is what we need now, to smile when we think of happier times to come in 2021. We face great uncertainty and they say the darkest hour is before the dawn. But what we do know for sure is that things will get better this year. We start off with Tara Lockery Grant, whose voice you will recognise straight away. Tara, everybody who listens to our podcast knows your voice. You're the start and the end of every episode. <laughs> But people are coming up to me wondering who this voice is. Ooh. So we were in college together, weren't we? We sure were. Back in DCU. Yeah. We knew each other since then and you're working RTE now, isn't yeah. that right? Yeah, since we were only chiselers, age of 18, youngins. Exactly. And you know what? I felt very bad because you have asked me loads of questions, but I actually haven't asked you any. And there's oh. one that we've been asking everybody. And I think it's only fair that... I ask you Emer's happy place question. Oh, I love I call that it. question. <laughs> Great. Have a little think. So if you close your eyes and take four deep breaths, allow yourself to think of your happy place from your travels. And where would that be and why? Got it. Can I have two? Oh, of course. <laughs> okay. They are more... I don't know if this is allowed, but they are more feelings in destinations, two separate feelings for two completely different destinations. Uh, am I allowed to have a go with that? Of course. Okay. So the two, fe- yeah, the two feelings are one is on the water. So it could be surfing. It could be, it has to be connecting to the water though it could be surfing it could be paddle boarding it could be bodyboarding but it has to be relatively warm 
in the water, great waves, great beach. So it could be, if the weather's good, it could be Inch in Kerry. It could be a gorgeous beach up in Donegal, near where my dad's from in Pollen. It could be in the Maldives. It could be in Portugal. It's it's that feeling that you get when you're, the last time I had it was in Spain and it was, I look, I was standing on a paddleboard and I looked down and it, the, the water was so clear that it was almost, I got a rush because it was kind of scary as well that you could see, you could see the floor, you could see the sea floor. And I was on a paddleboard and it was just that excitement, that connection with nature, the feeling of the warm breeze on your face, the list, the sound of the waves. I grew up beside the sea. So in scary. So to have that, I love it. I, I just feel at home. Um, and I, I'm a sea swimmer all year round. So I just, that connection to the water, but it, it's always nice when it's a bit warmer. Um, mm. And the second one is on the snow. So even saying it makes me smile. Um, yeah. This is skiing um, in a very real way, where you're even at the at one stage of some parts, whether it's Italy, whether it's Austria, whether it's France, there's some, the one, the places that I love the most, that feeling where I get that buzz is where you're at a connection, where all you see are mount, tops of mountains where ski slopes and ski areas meet and you are going between countries. That feeling where you could be, where France um, and Italy or Switzerland, whatever, where they meet and come together and Germany and those feelings, though that's the most natural buzzes um, that I adore and it makes my soul lift and it makes me feel the best place possible. So their feelings and the destinations help make them possible. I love that. I really like the sound of that. And so, we haven't, I don't think, has anybody asked you? No, actually. Now you say it. Nobody has. Wow. Travel Tales with waiting. Fergal. We have to know. Where's yours? And I'm intrigued. For abroad, would definitely be with family. So it'd be on a family holiday with the six of us. And my favourite one was um, the Peloponnese Peninsula in Greece which is the West Coast. It's like the West Coast of Ireland, but sunny. And it is like two hours drive to um, Kalamata, which is famous for its olives on a, on a motorway from Athens Airport. Then you go over these mountains into a region called the Mani, where the Spartans ended up. And you go over through these windy roads. And then you come over the other side and you see down these little villages dotting along the landscape. You end up at this place called... Um, Agius Nicholas, which is a little fishing village with the mountains all around it and it's on the sea. And my happy place was every morning before breakfast, we would walk through the village to the end of the village, around the corner to the rocks. And it was this little old taverna where I had a little diving board and rocks. And we go for a swim there. While that was going on, there was an old woman in the taverna and she would come out with, with warm bread and uh, coffee and uh, freshly squeezed orange juice so by the time we came out of the water that was ready and have breakfast there and that was definitely the memory that I go back to all the time when I think of a happy place. The hairs on the back of my neck are standing up because I remember seeing some pictures from you guys in Greece and 
you gave me the wanderlust then and now listening, knowing that it's a long time before we can, well, hopefully not too long that we can go, but that's fabulous. I would love to go there. I'd love to see it. I'd nearly love to follow in your footsteps if you posted all the details that we could, us punters could read and listen and then just follow that. Actually, that's a good idea, isn't it? For you to yeah, have ju- the actually, notes. Do you know what's funny? What you just had to be, got me to realise is that the logo for my podcast is the photo from the kids diving off that spot. Yes. <laughs> thanks for reminding me. Yeah, thank you. Love chatting to you about that. And thanks for bringing me in that journey. And yes, of course, my family, kids and other halves and uh, extended family, depending on where the locations are, that makes it. And the food and the few scoops all make it come together so beautifully. Exactly. Um, I think with, with where we're at now, it's who you're with and who you're missing and who you want to be with again. Uh, I think we've all realized the important things. And then travel is just this wonderful bonus if you can share it with them and teach them all this and pass on the information, which is what you've done for us with the podcast. Pass on your love and passion for travel. Um, and I think it's contagious. You've given us, you really have those daydream worthy destinations and goals to get there and appreciate it when we can. Exactly. The next guest is Catherine Murphy, who is the number one ski journalist in Ireland. Catherine features in the first episode of season two coming soon this month. It is a ski special with lots of great interviews, including Catherine. Well, there are two things. It's anywhere in the mountains. I remember years ago, I just arrived to Val d'Isere and I remember looking out the window thinking, I'm home. You know, this is where I want to be. Not necessarily Val d'Isere, just the mountains. Yeah. But in the summers, I spend a lot of time in a tiny Catalan village in the northeast of Spain. It's an outdoorsy place. It's a beautiful area, kind of unknown to most Irish people. So it's between Catalonia and Aragon. It has gorgeous lakes. It's a big outdoors place. I love hiking there. And it's just a place I fell in love with actually 30 years ago. And I go there every year. And that is my escape and is it in the mountains or is it near the sea? It's, so it's the, it's the pre it's the pre Pyrenees, Fergal. So it's mm-hmm. not even real mountains. It's it's what it is really is a hang gliding and paragliding site. I don't fly. A lot of my friends did and still do, and that's what brought me there in the first place. Um, so it's a ridge. It's pre pre Pyrenees. So it's a couple of hours from Andorra. So. Yeah. I have a friend who was in college with me, two friends who got married. They met in college, but one of them is from around that area in, um, yeah. you know, um, the Pyrenees. And we went out there for a wedding out there and it was just amazing. Absolutely loved yeah. it around there and the walking. It's, yeah, It's just ancient, ancient land where yeah. I stay was a very important medieval center of the valley. It's, just, it's a valley, you know, so it's just full of history. The Moors got up as far as there and, you can feel it. I can feel it when I'm there yeah. and I absolutely love it. I love I love ancient places and uh, hidden places. So. You're right. That, that, I don't know why, but it does. Well, one reason I would say maybe why it feels ancient to me, and that's my memory of it, was I remember ordering, like, if you ordered a steak, you literally <laughs> yeah. got a steak. That was it. <laughs> Just a steak. Oh, yeah. They don't do the, the, the meat, veg and potatoes. It's no. And the other ancient thing is the prices. The prices seem like they're from, you know, 20 or 30 years ago compared to Ireland, which helps. Totally. Our next three guests are Marker Halloran, Dawn Hindle in Ibiza and Jerry Fish. Where would you, where is your happy place to Well, there's the beaches, uh, Playa del Este outside of Havana, um, just miles of unspoilt beachfront with this 
pale blue sea. Like, it's just gorgeous. Palm trees. Palm trees. No hotels. Um, people come out from the city in buses and, and swim there during the day. Um, and it's just phenomenal. Phenomenal. I love it. Brilliant. Happy place would a hundred percent be on the beach, listening to the waves in Ibiza. So I'm quite lucky. I think I've found and managed to live in my happy place. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I actually do this in the shower anyway. It's kind <laughs> of when I when I I grew up in a lot of ghettos and a lot of kind of you know heavily uh, populated areas like Brixton, South London. And then, and then over to Dublin. And uh, but when I first started traveling, I went off, as I said, I went off to uh, the Sinai Desert. I went off to the desert. And there was, a, there was a beach called Taba. And it was the first beach I ever slept on. And uh, I just remembered in the, in the sleeping bag, looking at the stars going, you know, are you allowed to do this? Is, is, is what, you know, that people are just let me, am I allowed to do this? I did, couldn't believe that you could actually live with nothing, you know, you, that the stars as a blanket was enough, you know. And I think uh, I never recovered, you know. It was definitely, I, I, I was a beach bum from then then on in. So living as a beach bum has, has definitely been my happiest uh, uh, travel memory for sure, you know. And anybody in my household will tell you that. <laughs> Next up, we have Philip O'Connor, an Irish expat living in Stockholm, Sweden. I think th- this is the most difficult question that, that you've put to me. And I think when I do that, the place doesn't matter. I'll tell you where the place is. It's around a table. That table can be absolutely anywhere. And it's with my family. Because I, in, in chasing my own dreams and in being essentially selfish and doing what I've done, Fergal, I've had, you know, my family has had to sacrifice a lot to allow me to go there. Now, sure, I make money. But I could make money driving a bus. That's not the thing. They've allowed me to do this. And the absolute best thing is when my wife and myself and my two children can sit around the table. And when, you know, this, you know Christmas dinner is brilliant. You know, we celebrated Christmas in our own house for the first time about two or three years ago. I remember thinking, I don't have to go anywhere. I don't have to be, I don't have to do anything today i could just be and i could just be with them and that was probably the happiest moment of my life and it was just one of those those two or three hours over that day was just fantastic so that's where it is whether that happens to be in dublin that'd be one of the places stockholm would be another norway and that little house that we bought now but to be honest all of these places because the, the one thing that i think of now as i get older that every place i leave like i left los angeles and i left las vegas in january I might never see them again I might never see New York again. I might never see Seoul or Pyeongchang. I might never see Melbourne at all, you know. So sometime when I leave these places now, you know, as, as life goes on, it's going to be the last time I ever see any of it. But I can always cling to that hope that somewhere there'll be a table and there'll be four people sitting around it that I love and that I want to be with and that I would travel the whole world to be with at certain times. So that would is the happy place for me. Where you want to put that table, that's up to you, my friend. <laughs> Holly Rubinstein is a travel writer and podcaster from the UK. And I have to say, I like the sound of her happy place right now. Oh, such a good question, I should say. Um, I often try and do this, actually. Um, to When I'm trying to meditate, I often picture a place. Um, I've been told that that is what one should do. 
I have to admit, it isn't the same place each time. It does change um, each, each time for sure. Right now though, when I'm freezing, wearing like three layers and the heating isn't hot, heating up my flat and it's bleak and getting dark at four o'clock, I am picturing the Maldives. Um, I was there earlier this year, lucky to get there just before everything kicked off. And I'm picturing sitting on um, uh, in an overwater villa overlooking the endless Indian Ocean, turquoise, sparkling, clear water, the odd dolphin jumping past, the sun setting right beyond this infinite horizon. And I couldn't think of anywhere more relaxing and zen in, in my head right now. That sounds beautiful. You went there for your honeymoon, didn't you? Is that right? I did. Yeah. We, you know, we were so lucky to, to be able to go there just just in in time we didn't have any clue what was going on aside from people that were on the plane were you know there are a few people who are wearing masks and we thought oh that's being a bit cautious little did we know um so yeah we were very lucky and for a honeymoon destination um i know i know do you know what i have to be honest i never really thought that the maldives was for me i didn't think that i would be some want to go somewhere where it was really kind of about like lounging around and doing not that much else uh, I'm more active um and and we had had a crazy year the year before and we just thought no we actually just want to relax of course and and it was and it was wonderful it yeah. is everything you hope it will be and I was just blown away by the snorkeling and the fish you know what's funny is um I can't remember who it was but you were talking to somebody and they kind of trashed uh they just oh yeah <laughs> Tony Wheeler. Like, I so sensed you Tony Wheeler. Yeah, yeah he said a place he'd never go back to <laughs> yeah. um I I think that Tony is a different kind of traveler to me he is intrepid to the core you know whereas I'm very happy to like indulge in a bit of luxury and pampering if it's being offered to me <laughs> of course Paula Keneela is a travel editor with the Irish Independent and I have to say his happy place really conjures up the image of a perfect summer's day with family okay so I have so rather than a place what's what comes to mind for me is a sense of togetherness a lot of the travel that I do is on my own and I'm exploring by myself and moving at my own pace. But what this year has brought home to me that I'm missing is just that sense of being together on a trip, not having to work with family, with grandparents, sharing a moment, um, catching up on missed occasions, you know, stupid birthday celebrations over Zoom calls, great and all as they were they're not a replacement for the real thing i'm caught i'm brought back to uh and i wrote about this recently a vineyard in sicily where we all sat down six of us no great plan and um, were served up fresh pasta i remember the pasta alla norma as well caponata wine that was roughly seven euro a bottle hearing Italian spoken around us, uh, just watching the family tick over. I remember my son was six and his tooth came out and it was nothing earth shattering. It was just an afternoon with the sun on our backs 
and um, fresh food, uh, Italian accents, and then off afterwards for a nap and a swim. And it's just simplicity and togetherness. that's, That's what I miss, what I want. That's what it's all about, isn't it? Being with family, sharing. I love that. The next two guests picked places very close to where they were actually born, which really, when you think about it, isn't surprising because they are both so associated with Claire, Anthony Daly and Keith Wood. Um, oh, it'd be, it'd be probably, it's gone now. It's still a pub. <laughs> it's the old Nevins in Clarecastle, I think, when, when Mrs. Nevin was alive. No, he's just go there and she'd look, she was like a second mother to us all and she'd look after us and, uh, that was a great place to be, you you know, that was a traditional spot to go the day after winning something. And we were lucky enough to win a few championships while I was playing. And yeah, geez, that was the days of magic we had there, you know, the Mondays, they weren't supposed to be Mondays. The, <laughs> uh, I think that was great, you know. Yeah, So that, yeah, I suppose I'd have a million things for I could think of, you know, you know, going up collecting cups, I suppose, and Morty's gang winning derbies and loads of stuff. But yeah, I think that that was always a kind of a thing that it was it was achieved or else even if we lost, we were there together. And there was a sense of great unity in that and uh, you know, not being drunk or anything, just maybe having your first point or two and meeting the lads and just being there together. I think there was a great sense of peace about that somehow, you know. Uh yeah, that, that would be for me. It's Right, I would go to, we've mentioned it twice, I would go to the very top of Ballycogran, which is in, uh, in, in the little hills just beside us in Killaloo. There's a couple of different little routes and different little hills, but there's a quiet space that you can go there and you're actually looking all the way up towards Galway. And um, you see the whole of Lockturk. You see the full, the full size of Lockturk. Um, I think that's my- sports broadcaster Con Murphy's love of travel really shone through in his episode, and he gave us not one but two great happy places. I think the two places I would pick if if I'm closing my eyes and just imagining absolute kind of tranquility and beauty. Puerto Vallarta in Mexico. Um, there's a hotel we stayed in which was beside the beach beside the sea and it's it's in a kind of a circular bay and down first thing in the morning like maybe half past eight in the morning just the sun is coming up the water in the pool is absolutely still the seawater which is just over the edge of the pool absolutely still the palm trees kind of uh, silhouetted with the sun coming up and just lying down there absolute heaven i mean i can only describe it as heaven at that time of the day there's nobody else down by the pool i love early mornings anyway for things like sunrises and that and i can picture that in my mind now and um, they used to play this very low-key uh kind of i was going to say chill out music but it's almost like just background music just very low not not intrusive but just adding to the atmosphere, that that was, I mean, Puerto Vallarta in Mexico is somewhere I'd recommend. We've been three times now at this point. Um, Elizabeth Taylor and 
Richard Burton shot a movie there, Night of the Iguana, and they fell in love with the place so much that they bought a house. They bought, actually bought two houses. When they used to have a row, he'd go to the other house across the road. Um, but it is a beautiful place, Puerto Vallarta. Um, it's Rick Steen's favourite place too. You know that, that, is it? Yeah. That's interesting. It's, it's, and he's a well-travelled man now, I can yeah. tell you. So yeah. that says something. That's very interesting. We only went there. We were actually in LA, and it was February. And the weather was bad. Uh, and we looked at the weather forecast. And the next three days, it was going to be gray and rainy and a bit cold. And I just said to Lorraine, I don't want to stay around here for three days in the rain. You know, you can't even go for a walk. Or... So we, we literally went out to the airport at LAX and we went into the, the building and went up to the guy and said, where can we go that's warm and sunny at the moment? And he said, well, I've had three honeymoons in Puerto Vallarta and I love it. So <laughs> we said, OK, we'll give it a go. And it was only a couple of hours flight from LA. Obviously from Ireland, it's a much longer journey. But um, it's that, that, that picture I have in my mind of that flat calm water, the sun coming up, the trees, everything, that was heavenly. And the other one, if I could pick two, would be um, Bali. Um, we went there about four or five years ago now. And again, just that, early morning feeling of, you know, tranquility, total calm, beautiful beach beside the, the pool, palm trees, um, gorgeous place, just beautiful temperature. I think we went there in August and it was a, a lovely time of the year to go uh, weather-wise. Um, and Bali, of all the places we've been, I would say, you know, the people were, off the scale, they were so nice. It was spiritual, aren't they? You know, oh, gorgeous people, absolutely. Well, actually, the only thing I would say is, once you get past the airport, where everybody's trying to get you into their taxi, and there's a bit of hustling going on at the airport. I think beyond that, um, in the hotel, on the streets, just everybody was so, so, so nice. Um, that's a another bit of heaven on earth, I think. You know, and. Not easy to get to quite, you know, it's an expensive trip. But if anybody has the opportunity to go there, I'd so recommend it. Just, ah, uh, absolutely. You Ubud when you were there. We did, yeah, yeah. The monkeys actually robbed our lunch. <laughs> <laughs> we were walking back to the car. It was one of these ones where, that's the other thing about Bali. I think everything is very, very reasonable once you're there. You know, it's very cheap. So we got a guy to drive us around um, for the day and, you know, it wasn't expensive at all. Lovely guy, real nice, spoke good English. And we were, having gone in and seen all the monkeys in the, the habitat and stuff, we were walking back to the car with just some stuff for the driver, some sandwiches and, you know, a bottle of water and whatever. And as we were walking back to the car, the monkeys literally came out of the trees and grabbed the plastic bag and scarpered. Um, but I, I mean, speaking of spiritual, I mean, what an amazing uh, place Ubud is, and the paddy fields and stations and stuff. Yeah. And, oh, we we went to the place where they make that um, coffee from the beans that the those animals eat and then yeah. poop out. Um, which, which, by the way, when you're in Las Vegas, a cup of that coffee costs eighty dollars. 
um, but in Bali it's five dollars. So <laughs> if you're going to eat the coffee that the beans have been pooped out by the animal, what Bali, does it taste like? I've never had that. It was very nice, beautiful actually. It was lovely, yeah. And they showed they, they showed us the process. So the outside of the bean is taken off before the inside is baked and everything. So you're not getting any uh, any additional flavors to your coffee apart from the bean. Um, but oh god, it, I remember sitting again there having coffee, and you you know you had the layered landscape around your beautiful mountains and stuff, and thinking this is as close to heaven on earth as you're going to to find i mean it's just absolutely gorgeous yeah. you know Barcelona-based Richard Fitzpatrick really showed his journalistic mind in action when he painted a beautiful picture of his happy place i there's one place i've been that i uh, has always stayed with me um and that was Black Rock Desert in Nevada. I went to Burning Man, the Burning Man Festival, a couple of times in the 90s. And it's still going, um, although it wasn't held this year. But it's uh, this festival, an art festival, basically. Um, people from, it originated in San Francisco and they moved out to the desert in 1990. And it's held every Labor Day weekend, the first weekend in, in September. and. Uh, when I was going there, like there was about six or eight thousand people. I think it's up to about seventy-five thousand people go to it now. But they essentially they set up a temporary city in the desert, and they construct all these art installations um, in the desert. Some of them will be uh, they'll be working on them maybe in the city uh, during the year. Or they'll go out to the desert in the summer and work on them for a couple of months or a few weeks. Um, to build these huge art installations and then everybody arrives the festival goes for about eight or ten days and you can't there's no uh, the economy is a barter economy you can't you have you can't buy anything there um you have to bring your own water and your own food supplies and it's pretty inhospitable environment as well because you can get sandstorms and the temperatures drop really low at night time so it's baking hot during the day but at night time it's really it can be really cold and um these art installations would just blow your mind extraordinary kind of um artwork like say uh, they would reconstruct a hollywood um, western movie set and so you'd walk down the street and it was like you're on in the middle of high noon uh, the film high noon or something or they'd have um uh a, a, a They'd have a, a, a they'd have a um, like a giant woman, like thirty, forty foot woman, and there'd be a shower spraying from between her legs. Some people would be having their shower there in the morning, or people on stilts walking around, or art cars. And that at nighttime, then the city comes alive. Uh, like that, you'll have an opera. I remember seeing an opera, at two or three in the morning, two hundred people opera. Um, just out of this world and there's an amazing just um, camaraderie and kind of community spirit there because everybody's in it together and it then concludes on the second last night they burn the man they have this kind of like um, Nuremberg rally procession through the city and uh, they come to the big man who's like 40 or 70 foot high man and they he's there's lots of bales of hay under the uh, his um, 
the 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 stand which he's constructed on and then they, the everybody starts chanting burn the man and they burn the man it's a kind of ritual and it's it has at its roots it's kind of a pagan festival i guess but um then after that the whole city is torched they burn all the art installations this is work people have put in you know months of work into it and everybody's in you know cost fancy dress costume or whatever and um, so the whole place is torched and then at the end of the festival everybody clears up their own um their own debris and the philosophy or the mantra is leave no trace so like people stay on there for a couple of weeks after the festival to ensure that the playa the desert is returned to its original uh, condition so i haven't been to that place that festival since i'd love to go back there it's uh, things get difficult and costly when you have kids and stuff and um, but my friends were always threatening to go back there um, but I've never felt as moved and I always struggle to explain it to people, the atmosphere there. It's such a life affirming experience to take yourself out of the normal rush of, of kind of life and live. And it shows the possibilities um, for communities, you know, that that kind of um, that community spirit that's engendered, maybe because it's only temporary, it's possible but it's an unbelievable atmosphere and I'd encourage anybody to go to it. So that kind of, I'd say that has stayed with me, those experiences there. So I would, I would say Burning Man, yeah. Definitely, that sounds very, I have a friend who lives in America that has gone to it and he's been putting up stuff on Facebook, longing about, you know, missing it. So mm. it's definitely on my bucket list, I have to say. That is lovely. Yeah, I couldn't recommend it enough. Our very first guest was adventurer Damien Brown and his special place was actually in Ireland and it actually got me thinking what I always say that travels around the world get to appreciate Ireland even more particularly in the last year I think a lot of people have realised just how beautiful our country is and how much it has to offer. So I presume we're talking about travel experiences here, right? Yeah. Some people have actually picked stuff at home. Ah, okay. Okay. Sorry. The original plan was travel. Just a few people have mentioned things at home, but the original plan was travel. Mm. And that got me thinking since too. When I started doing interviews with people, all of a sudden I realized my current happy place is down by the River Shore every day walking. That's what inspired me. This podcast was actually walking on the River Shore, surrounded by the mountains, listening to travel podcasts. And my original plan was Greece. And then I went, actually, it's the Shore, one mile from my house. So I uh, won't be going too far either. Um, a little bit of a drive from Galway is there's a beach called Glashlon. It's in northern Connemara, not far from Killary. And I just adore the place. And that on a deserted winter day would be my happy place, you know, with maybe one or two souls hanging around, walking the dog or wrapped up. I love the, the walk. It's overlooked by Mwil Ray, which is the highest mountain in Connacht. It's actually on the Mayo side of Killary, but it's just a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful setting. The walk and then a 
dip in the ocean, like the beach and the water is just, it's kind of like a little cove and the water is just crystal clear, spectacular. Even on a cold January or February day, it's even better in my opinion, or for me, I, I enjoy it more. So yeah, I think that would be it. I actually got married. That's beside Renville, isn't it? Not oh, fair at all. I got, yeah. I got married in Renville and my wife swam on the morning of the wedding there. And then the day after myself and Emer went scuba diving off the beach and it was just magical. It's really a special part of the world, I think, Northern Connemara. Some of the beaches up there and, you know, the villages and the towns and the people and the mountains and the scenery. You know, I could talk all day about the bends and climbing uh, up there or the Mam Turks and the Aina Valley. And now I have roots there. And my mum is from that part of the world. So um, we visited, obviously, regularly out to Letterfrack in, in Northern Connemara when we were young. And, I, you know, any chance I get, I'm, I'm gone out there swimming in one of the beaches, be it Glash Lawn or Renville or Ballycanely or wherever. And, you know, on the other side, my Emer's sister has a house beside White Strand, which is on oh. the other side. And I know White Strand well. It's oh wow, that's amazing. Yeah, so that that if I pick, but up at the, around that area around Killery, it's just magical on both sides. Both sides, yeah, absolutely. Um, actually, one of if if people ever get a chance to climb Wheel Ray, you will get some of the best views in Ireland from the top if you get it on a fine day. So you got White Strand, you got Silver Strand, you can see across the Glashlawn, you can see the Bends, you can see the Ina Valley, you can see uh, the Mam Turks. You can also, um, if you turn to your kind of northeast, you can actually see Crow Patrick. You can see out to Clare Island. It's just absolutely stunning up there. It's just beautiful. And it's a nice climb as well, especially if you go from the, the Dulac side, you know, not far from Delphi Adventure Center there. And it's a nice hard climb and it's a great day. And it's just it's just a, a stunning, stunning kind of view of these kind of all these beautiful parts of the West Coast. And thanks, you know, that's a lovely way to finish because we started talking about adventures and little beaches in Ireland when you were young with your family. So that's a lovely way to finish, because even though we talk about travel adventures around the world, we probably one of the most beautiful countries in the world. Thank you. Oh, yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. You know, I've I've been to quite a few corners of the world and the west of Ireland on a fine day rivals them all. It's just, yeah, it's just a stunning, stunning place. I really hope you enjoyed those happy places as much as I did from season one. And you have to admit, you were smiling through that whole episode, I bet. I have some great episodes already recorded for season two. Our first one will be a ski special and that will come out very soon in January. Happy New Year. Stay positive. Stay safe. I would ask if you could please subscribe to Apple Podcast so a new episode will appear in your library every week. I would also really appreciate if you could leave a rating and a review as it helps others to discover this podcast. To find out who's on every Tuesday, please follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Travel Tales with Fergal. Stay safe and keep dreaming of future travels. Travel Tales with Fergal.